Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I am Joe Rocky and I'm here with Father Boniface Hicks. And in our last episode, we were discussing marriage and the importance of the sacrament of it and went into a, a lot of detail there. And today we're going to pick up that conversation where we left off with about what habits and what to do in preparation for the marriage. So, Father, you were listing about the inventories you were talking about, and we kind of discussed, let's see how this, this works here with me as the test subject. So let's... <laughs> well, in addition to the the various preparation, which there are a lot of, again, a lot of resources for and a lot of important things to consider, I didn't even mention in our last podcast, a lot of good reading. If you're a reader and if you like to read things together, Pope Francis's new exhortation, Amoris Laetitia, The Joy of Love, beautiful a lot of beautiful things and some specific sections for those preparing for marriage and then the whole thing is a reflection on marriage a wonderful thing to read together pope francis gave a whole year's worth of wednesday audiences a whole catechesis on marriage wonderful material he quotes from it pretty uh liberally in in amoris Laetitia, but the whole text of those uh, are, are wonderful tools john paul ii wrote an exhortation in 1980 one and then wrote a letter to families in 1984 anyway a lot of good materials to read those are just papal things it takes three to get married fulton sheen uh there's a whole series anyway a lot of good stuff Mm -hmm. so um if you're looking for reading material if you like to do that there are a lot of good things out there but then just in terms of the process of getting married the church takes marriage very seriously as you pointed out in the last podcast it's a sacrament and so the church wants to be very careful about preparing for and, and entering in and then also keeping track of that sacrament. And so there's a whole uh, process that's involved in that. And so let me ask you, Joe, and this will help our listeners also to kind of process what some of these steps are because there's a lot of confusion. It's uh, Anyway, n- nobody gets good at this except for priests because we're the only one that do multiple marriages. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Every, everybody else is entering into one marriage, and you, you, know, you don't get good at this process. So, but um, have, you, have you settled on a date so far? Yes. We went through the process. The first step was uh, getting the church right. Um, a couple of extra politics around that made us have to kind of narrow into a specific date. What's happening is the church closing and that they give us the hard deadline that you're not allowed to schedule um, the marriage after, I think it was Advent. Yeah, Advent's the start of the church year, right? Yes. Uh-huh. No, no, we weren't allowed to schedule after Advent. She hates being cold, so that took away the month of November. <laughs> and then we ended up ultimately scheduling um, in early October. So the October 14th is where we were at. So um, that's where we're at. Then. Wow, this yes. coming October. Yes, Yes, so speed route. Well, that's already <laughs> unusual. Usually they require six months. Oh, we, well, we did some of these speeches before, um, or not speeches, but, but some of the steps that, that the church told us. We we sat down with a priest in early January to start oh, okay. some okay. of this process because gotcha. we, um, we, we kind of saw the writing on the wall in terms of the church, and then there was some job issues as far as logistically – economically getting the ring to make it official I but see. Gotcha. for the spiritual side of the world it was kind of already 
starting that process. So, so gotcha. might be changing the rules up, but this was more cause she loves, she loves that physical building. She grew up in there and mm. it was again, looking at the writing on the wall and the realisticness of it, that if we're going to do this and that's, she gave me a list of three things she wanted for her wedding. That was on it. So she only asked for three things. Then the other one was nice. that she wanted to make sure that her grandmother was there. And her grandma has, I believe it's Lou Gehrig's disease. And, and oh, that wow. time limit's taken away quickly as well. So with that being said, that's wow. the other reason that we try to get on it back in January talking to the priest. So hopefully some of these questions have already been asked. And I might know the answers to. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, so yeah, usually there's a, at least a six-month period between mm-hmm. – you know, whatever engagement or starting the process, and and when you get married, so you you got a date, and you have a church, and then another piece of it is uh, kind of official paperwork that goes to the diocese. Have you have you started working on that official paperwork? I, I mean, if it's something that if it's what the priest filled out and had to submit, then yes. Um, it, okay. He asked like a bunch of questions as far as like our spiritual history. I'm going to make me think back to what all the questions were. But basically, where were you baptized? Where did you get your communion at? Where did you get confirmation at? Stuff like that is what I remember. That was kind of the logistic stuff. And then there was another wave. But sorry, that's probably what you're asking. (laughs) Well, that's – no, that's uh, that's right. So it's getting some of those details. And and here are some of the reasons for that. I think it's helpful to know. There's a question of whether you're free to marry – if you are an ordained priest, you are not free to marry. Mm-hmm. If you are in religious vows, you are not free to marry. If you are already in a marriage, you're not free to marry. And so one of the things that they do is they check your record. It's really amazing. Every, every Catholic should see this at some point. The books that the Catholic Church keeps in, you know, in a safe so that if the church burns down, the records don't. Mm-hmm. And... Those books have all of your – you'll find an entry wherever you were baptized. There's an entry for you, and it'll have little annotations on it. When you get married, they'll send that information to the church where you were baptized, and they'll add an annotation on that record that you were married. <laughs> and so then if you try to get married again, they'll check that, and they'll say he's already married. <laughs> and so really we keep an amazing records. You can do whole family histories, and it's really uh, – because we really take this seriously. If it's really a sacrament, why would we not do this? Why would we not go through the investigation? Why would we let anybody make a mockery of the sacrament? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's that part of the information, giving you know when you're confirmed and all of this kind of stuff. And they'll check that out against the, the record. It's also important that you've been confirmed that you're – because people will come in to get married, and they, they're not actually a fully initiated Catholic. And so – that tells the priest, okay, we need to do a little more work with this, with this couple. You know, we need to find out where they are, and and so it's an opportunity for evangelization too. If someone hasn't gone, develop, you know, uh, taken some of those steps, but they'll check your baptismal record. They'll check your fiance's baptismal record, and then they also ask you some questions like, is anybody forcing you to do this? Right? Because Basically, those four questions that we brought out in the last podcast, the qualities of marriage are free, total, faithful, and fruitful. Mm-hmm. Are you free? Is, are you, do you feel forced into this? No. You know, did you get her pregnant and you feel like you got to get married now? Well, that could take away freedom. 
in a way that you're not able to really enter into the marriage. Well, that's not our case. <laughs> so we, we, we took care of that. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's fantastic. So, um, but any way that someone might feel forced, uh, is it, is it total? Do you understand that this is lifelong, that there's no out, there's no chance for divorce, that there's, you know, this isn't like, well, we don't want to get divorced, but we know that if it doesn't work out, we can get divorced. No, that's not adequate. Pope Francis said a couple of years ago, basically, if your idea of lifelong is the same as society's, that's not adequate to enter into marriage. We really need to be countercultural as Catholics with our understanding of what it means to enter into a lifelong union with somebody. No out. And I think so. I think that we 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 already agreed upon that, and, and that yeah we we had the yeah well, remember that discussion yes about the 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 permanence of it yes and then that that was actually one of the things that we talked about way long ago in dating and, and we're on the same page with yeah, yeah. you know that kind of defeats the well, purpose. Well, you're a you're a wonderful and exemplary couple, and you can imagine how many people coming in may not have the same answer to that question. And so again, these questions. They're, these are really essential. If we, if you don't have these four things, you can't get married. I mean, physically, it won't be, it won't be a sacrament. And that's what an annulment is: is basically investigating were all four of these qualities present. Were you really entering freely into this union? Were you total, giving your whole life without any option of backing out? Were you planning on having children and and open to life? So that's another essential question that they that they ask you. And then, do you plan to be faithful? You know, are you going to have other women on the side? Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you going to have other things going? So, uh, those questions are the are the four questions for consent to to create a valid consent to have a valid marriage. So, all of that investigation takes place as part of that paper. And then, another part of that paperwork is that the the priest will contact two people who are close to each of you, who have known you your whole lives. So optimally, that's your parents, if they're both living. Mm-hmm. And the reason that the priest does that is the same reason that in the movies or in the television shows, at the beginning of the marriage, they say, if there's anybody who has an objection to this marriage, will he please speak now or forever hold his peace or whatever? Mm-hmm. And we don't actually do that in the context of the sacrament, but we do that in the investigation. And so... To make sure that, first of all, what you say is true, that you didn't enter into some clandestine marriage or that you, you, know, you didn't do something crazy that would prevent you from getting married, there's that questioning of people who knew you your whole life. But also they are asked, is he entering into this freely? Is he really able to make this commitment? Does he understand what he's doing? And so it's asking that question, are there any reasons to object to this marriage? And Hopefully you're on the same page with your parents or, or whoever. Sometimes it can be a, a, a lifelong friend or an aunt or a grandparent or something like that, but somebody who's really known you your whole life. Uh, so that's an important part to get those other additional witnesses as well. Then you have that paperwork, and as you said, he submits the paperwork to the diocese. That may also involve things like uh, they're called permissions or dispensations. If one of you weren't Catholic – that would be a different situation. If one of you weren't baptized Christian, mm-hmm. that would be yet a different situation. And so those have to be handled in a in a special way. We just don't we don't do those things lightly. Mm-hmm. You know? okay. So um, there is permission for them. Usually, 
there won't be a mass then if both parties aren't Catholic. Um, but anyway, there's a, a, some special permissions from the diocese that are that are needed. Um, so anyway, all of that paperwork is because we take marriage so seriously. And so the there is an, a little investigation about, you know, how are how well are are the are the pieces in place even to make the marriage possible in terms of your understanding and in terms of um, who you are and, and whether you're really free to marry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, we, we, we handled all those ones. <laughs> so yeah, so, yeah, I remember that part. And then have you have you done some marriage preparation with the the priest or have you done any of the uh, we, we've had the conversations and all that where, where he does well we basically talk about a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about here um, over the last okay. cast or so yeah and and then another point I think I left out in the last podcast actually I always encourage mar- uh, couples to get some education about natural family planning mm-hmm. and the reason is even if couples don't plan on you know they they plan on getting married and having children as soon as possible and so they're not worried about whatever delaying that or or regulating that in some way it still turns out to be very helpful because fundamentally what it does is it helps a woman to know her body to understand her hormones to understand when she's fertile and and then even for the spacing of children you know that that uh, it's really childbirth is hard on a woman and raising a baby, nursing, getting up in the middle of the night. I mean, she basically doesn't sleep through the night for about a year mm-hmm. after giving birth. It's really hard on a woman. And if she gets pregnant too quickly, that can be really hard on her body. It can be hard on her psychologically. And so just even having that spacing can be extremely helpful uh, for her to, and once she's had a baby, maybe it's a very hard pregnancy and a, and a hard birth. I know a woman who suffered from serious postpartum depression. She was not in a position to get pregnant again very soon after having the first baby. But if she didn't already know NFP, it's too late to learn it at that point. You've got to have some normal uh, menstrual cycles to work with to understand what the signs are, to understand how to chart, to understand how to do those things. So yeah. I really encourage engage couples to learn NFP. That was one of the things we were told back then. I don't know if she started it in March or February, but it was so basically Great. half a year ago. Um, she, Great, she, yeah. She started it. And, and another thing, that it's important for, you know, if, God forbid, but it's always possible that she has some, some form of infertility, basically the first thing they have you do is do NFP and chart so that you can get a sense of where the hormones are mm-hmm. and how those things have been developing and and a doctor can diagnose a lot just from an NFP chart. And oh. so if you're already charting for a year and you're not able to conceive, you just bring your charts in. The doctor can already do a diagnosis. Otherwise, he's going to tell you, come back to me in six months after you have some charts for me to look at. Yeah, well, that makes sense, too. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So, 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 so it seems like we're, we're clicking off some boxes here. All right. <laughs> you're doing great. Yeah, one of the perks of... Uh... Perks. One of the, the side effects of, of of honor her virginity is we have a lot more conversations than the average couple. I think. Fantastic. So yeah, um, what a great point. It's a yeah, byproduct. The, I don't know if it was by design or what just happened, but it's what happened. Well, and that's one of the that's one of the byproducts of practicing NFP as well as during those uh, fertile periods. If you are spacing, if you are waiting for some reason, a 
you know, it needs to be a serious reason. The church is clear about that, uh, not just because, well, you know, we feel like it or something. But uh, during this, those fertile periods, if you're not coming together sexually, then it forces you to find another way to bond, to be close together. And so what you've already developed, uh, those communication skills, is something that continues to grow. I know couples that say, after the fertile period, you know, we abstain for whatever, five days for a week during those fertile periods. And then I feel like I have a honeymoon every month. Hmm. You know, when we come together again, it forces us to connect in a different way during those fertile periods, just like we did when we were engaged. And then we come together and it's after we've kind of grown spiritually and, and emotionally closer together. And then we come physically together. So anyway, there's some wonderful benefits of, uh, of natural family planning. Now tell me about your marriage the wedding itself, that's usually what couples spend all of their time on is preparing for the wedding. But well, the party or the your... church part? Because we've had probably just as many conversations about both. <laughs> yeah, great. So what a uh, um, – yeah, any, any interesting points there? What would you tell a couple that's, that's planning to – that's planning a wedding? Pay for it yourself. They're not going to listen to anyone else. <laughs> that, was our, that was part of why it took so long. Um, was to get to that point, um, but that that that's one. Um, but one of the things that we actually had a pretty good feel as far as the actual what's going on inside the church building. We'll say this more clearly. She had a good idea of exactly what she wanted. I just didn't say no to it um, as far as what she wanted to do for pretty much all of it. And um, it, it it seems to be working out. You know, she she knows what she wants as far as. The mass. The, I think the only things we haven't picked yet are the actual readings. But we got all the songs already nailed out. We got who's doing what in the in the mass and all that. We're having it's probably up now to like 315 people on the invite list for the party and the mass as well. So that was probably the biggest challenge was because we um, I even though we started the, the, the spiritual element of it, we didn't set a date, a, a, an official date, until I'd actually given her the ring, which wasn't all that long ago. So um, trying to find a hall with the capability of handling 300-plus people in four months wasn't exactly awesome. So, But we got that done. We got that taken care of. Um, but... And then the other reason, you know, one of the factors one into picking the date that we did, aside from the fact she doesn't like being cold, was that NFP stuff you went with before. We kind of used it to to kind of guesstimate, because uh, one of the things that, that really didn't seem to make sense was, all right, now you're married, but now you have to wait an extra week. Um, so we tried, obviously it's not 100% control, but we tried to find a day where that's less likely to be a risk. So that was... Uh, all part of the stuff there. Um, I mean, the rest of it's basically just a party and setting up, setting up the the reception. But we had all the church stuff lined up, with, except with the exception of the readings. And we were given a book of the most common readings that are out there. So we just basically needed to sit down and actually do that. Um, we kind of had a. You know, but anyway, but that, that that's our little tangent where we're at. Yeah, and that's a great spiritual preparation in itself to uh, to be able to look at those readings and pray about that together, reflect on those. The readings themselves are a wonderful reflection on marriage. You know, why are those? Those are not just the normal readings. Those are the only readings that are possible. So uh, taking the time to 
go go through those. It's a wonderful way to prepare for the sacrament. So yeah, so that that makes sense, and I I think that we got kind of the questions in line going through the points you made before: faithful, um, fruitful, um, not forced into it freely was the word you were using. Basically, the only one we we haven't been tested by ourselves or society is the fruitful one yet, because honoring her virginity, so there's no real way to know that um, until it happens. But that's kind of kind of where where we're at with that. Well, and and fruitful means open to life, and that's where the church's teaching on contraception is comes in because contraception is against life. So it's one thing to wait. It's one thing to not have sex. You're always free to not have sex. Mm-hmm. But it's another thing to have sex and to stop reproduction. Contraception means literally in Latin, contra, against, ception, the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's against life. So it's really removing, it's actively removing the dimension of fertility from the marriage act. It's saying free total, faithful, not fruitful. Mm-hmm. Now, a woman's cycle is saying that, okay, maybe not every time you come together, it's going to result in the conception of a child, but it's not Mm anti-conception of a child. It's not contraception. It's just a marital act open to life. And so coming together open to life, one expression of, of, you know, a sexual union is sufficient to consummate the marriage. And then uh, yeah, if God blesses you with children, we pray for that. It's it, uh, numerous times in the in the sacrament of matrimony, there there are prayers for that they may be fruitful. Mm-hmm. May God bless this couple with uh, with children. And, and that actually is going to lead to one of the, the topics I wanted to have for our next cast. Um, but we will save that for the next time. And in the meantime, I hope that everyone there has has a great week, and that we we appreciate you guys going out and telling your friends about us. We're growing at a much quicker rate than I ever thought would be possible, having only just started this a couple of months ago. So um, so I thank everyone out there for listening and telling a friend about it. We appreciate you subscribing and giving us these great reviews that you've been doing. Thank you, and have a great week.